Hello, it's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750, WSB, the nation's most listened to news talk station, and TheResurgent.com, where you can go every day, TheResurgent.com. This is actually a special podcast edition of the show. It is not airing on radio, it's just you podcast listeners and me, and so I'm going to begin by badgering you. Please go review the podcast, it actually does help tremendously. If you go into Google Play or to the Apple iTunes Store or even Stitcher where I you can get the show or SoundCloud, leaving reviews helps promote the podcast uh, and raises us in the rankings. So please do promote the podcast. I w- there are several news stories of the day I want to get to today, which is why we're doing the podcast. Number one, the Mike Flynn story. Mike Flynn uh, pleading guilty Friday to lying to federal prosecutors about his communications with Russia. Uh, he's said to be cooperating now uh, with the uh, Robert Mueller investigation of the Trump campaign and the Kremlin. Here's the problem with this story. Everyone is looking at this story through the lens of did the Russians steal the election? And if so, did the Donald Trump campaign help them? But there is a real problem here. And I want to read to you from the Wall Street Journal story here. Documents filed in federal court Friday show that Mr. Flynn lied to the Federal Bureau of Investigation during an interview last January about a series of phone calls he had with the Russian ambassador. A December 29th conversation, that would be December 29, 2016, after the election was over. A December 29 conversation with the ambassador, Sergei Kiziak, took place the day after the Obama administration imposed sanctions on Russia over Moscow's alleged interference in the 2016 election. According to the court documents, Mr. Flynn spoke with a senior official of the Trump transition team before talking to Mr. Kislyak about what to tell the ambassador. In his January interview with the FBI, Mr. Flynn told agents he didn't ask uh, Kislyak to refrain from escalating the situation in response to sanctions, and he didn't recall the ambassador telling him Russia had chosen to moderate its response. Additionally, Flynn says, uh, told the FBI he didn't ask the Russian ambassador to delay a vote on a U.N. Security Council resolution involving Israeli settlement. So for perspective, all of these things happened after the campaign. You see, the entire frame of this investigation is about the Russians and whether or not they stole the election for Donald Trump. Was there collaboration with the Russians? What Mike Flynn lied about was his contacts with the Russians during the transition. It's always the lie. It's never the cover-up. Mike Flynn was the incoming national security advisor for the president-elect of the United States. He had every right to talk to the Russians. And my guess, and this is totally my hypothesis, this is at a time where the Democrats are spitting mad, the Obama team is imposing sanctions on the Russians for meddling in the election, and no one connected to Donald Trump wants to have even the suggestion that they made eye contact with Russia ever. In fact, they want to deny they could even pick it out on a map. 
And so in January, the Mueller investigation, the FBI is investigating, trying to figure out, this is before the Mueller investigation starts, the FBI is investigating, trying to figure out what happened. And, and Flynn lies about having any contact with the Russians whatsoever, because if he admits he had contact on February 29th, then he's going to have to say, well, how did you initiate contact? When did you initiate contact? And maybe he initiated contact before the election. And if so, that goes back. But here's the thing. We don't know that. This is all speculation. All we know right now is that Mike Flynn initiated contact with Russians after the election, and he's willing to testify according to sources. He's willing to testify that the president okayed it after the election, and that is so key here, after the election. If the campaign was initiating conversations with Russians before the election when even they thought they were going to lose. And by the way, this is established fact. Even the Trump team thought they were going to lose. This is very established fact. I know it doesn't get reported very much, but it is established fact. Even the, the Trump team, they didn't think they were going to win. So if they were initiating contact with the Russians before the election, then that does raise all sorts of questions. But it doesn't raise a ton of questions. When the incoming administration seeking a change in direction with the Russians reaches out to the Russians on their own, given the bad blood and lack of trust between the incumbent administration and the incoming administration, that's not a problem. Even this, um, the Wall Street Journal reported last month that Robert Mueller's investigators were asking questions about Jared Kushner's interactions with foreign leaders during the presidential transition as well, including his involvement in the UN resolution which condemned Israel's construction of settlements in disputed territory. Mr. Kushner is Mr. Trump's son-in-law and a top presidential advisor. Okay, so here's the thing. Even if Jared Kushner was instigating contact, there is nothing illegal about it. You know, there are a lot of people talking about the... the um, the the federal law that prohibits it's not the Jones Act oh which one is it y'all know what I'm talking about there's a federal law that private citizens aren't allowed to reach out to and engage with foreign governments but there's a problem this is an incoming presidential administration it's not like that law would apply in that case and since the law would not apply in that case because it is an incoming uh, transition, the Logan Act, that's what I'm thinking of, 1799, there's never been a prosecution under the Logan Act. And this would be the hardest prosecution ever brought under the Logan Act because this is an incoming, duly elected presidential administration. They just haven't been sworn in yet, but they're getting ready and they don't have a lot of trust for the existing administration. I don't see where the crime is other than the lying. And that's the way this always is. People forget, I mean, the Democrats have so outlandishly rewritten history about Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was impeached because he lied under oath in a deposition about Paula Jones. He never was impeached because of Monica Lewinsky. It's just that what happened with him and Monica Lewinsky in the office led to the investigation, which turned up the line in the deposition regarding Paula Jones. It's always the line. You would think these people would learn that about the lies. So if Mike Flynn is testifying under oath now for the Mueller team that the president initiated contact with the Russians after being elected president of the United States, after the Electoral College had voted on December 18th. Remember, December 18th, the Electoral College voted, making it official. The contact didn't happen until after that time. If that's the truth, there is no crime here. But everyone is looking at this as a big deal because we still have this frame in mind that the Russians collaborated with the Trump campaign to steal the election. You cannot steal an election that is over. 
And so the timeline here is very critical. We need to find out the timeline. Otherwise, this looks like a lying under oath and the president. There's no crime involving the president. Uh, lying under oath is bad, and the president fired Mike Flynn. But uh, did the president lie under oath? There's no evidence he did. Now, it is going to be interesting to see Jared Kushner because Flynn and Kushner hate each other. And there are some allegations here that Kushner and Flynn have been trying to throw each other under the bus. And that does beg the question, why are they trying to throw each other under the bus? What did happen before the election? Stay tuned. I mean, everyone's screaming impeachment today. There is not enough here to go to impeachment. There's just not. It is, again, these are the fever dreams of the left. They are convinced it's time for impeachment. And there's not yet any evidence. There may never be any evidence. Uh, that impeachment is right, necessary, appropriate in something like this. Now, that's the Flynn story. The next story, Republicans do have the votes for tax reform. Bob Corker and Jeff Flake were the holdouts. Uh, Steve Daines and uh, Ron Johnson as well, they've come on board. Flake came on board this morning. Bob Corker, the lone holdout. Even if so, they have 50 votes. Mike Flynn, or Mike Flynn, Mike Pence could break a tie in the Senate if need be. They'll probably have Corker as well. They will probably get 51 votes in the Senate to be able to pass this. They'll be down one vote, um, and they may have a squishy Republican go wobbly at the end, but they'll have the votes to pass this. Y'all, this is not meaningful tax reform, and this is one of my disappointments with the Republicans. They control everything. The House, the Senate, the White House. They should be able to get meaningful tax reform done, and they're not. They can't. They're incapable. And that's really disappointing to me. This is really a corporate tax reduction. They packaged it as a broad tax reform, and it's really not. It's a corporate tax reform. And they've thrown in enough individual tax changes to make certain Republicans happy and allow them to go on with it. One of the holdouts that Ron Johnson and Steve Daines had was lowering the treatment of LLCs and S-corporations and partnerships, which they're doing, which is a good thing. But ultimately, this is about the corporate tax. They want to lower it to 20%. If they do the Rubio Lee plan, it would lower it to 22%. Right now, it's I said yesterday it was 35. It's actually 39.5. So this would lower it from 39.5 to 20%. It's still not the most competitive. We should still be bolder than this. We should get rid of the corporate tax altogether, but they're not going to. They will pass this plan, though. The perception of this plan, however, is so bad, I wonder if this actually hurts the Republicans. They've done a poor job educating people on what's in the plan, uh, largely because they don't know what's in the plan. They don't even have it written yet. It is in draft outline framework. They don't actually have an actual tax bill written. And that's pretty amazing that they're going to pass this without the legislative language completely ironed out. Now, they'll have to have the legislative language completely ironed out before they cast the final vote, but they aren't casting the final vote yet. They're, they're essentially agreeing to vote on a framework. And like the Democrats passing Obamacare, you're going to have to read the bill to find out what's in it, see if everything actually lines up on it. I don't know that it is. Nonetheless, they will pass this. And I want you all to remember, the Republicans promised great things if they controlled everything. And they do. And this is not making America great again. I don't care who you are. It's not making America great again. This is not a bold tax reform. They did not boldly replace Obamacare. They did not boldly do anything. And I just think that is overwhelmingly problematic. Now, 
I also want to tread on dangerous territory, and I don't mean to rock the boat with some of you. Uh, last night in San Francisco, Kate Steinle's murderer was found not guilty of murder. And he was found not guilty of voluntary or involuntary manslaughter. And as the facts have come out, there is, well, how many of us have been lied to? And I just, I want to say that. How many of us have been lied to in the media? Look, here are facts. Garcia Zarate killed Kate. We know that and that is true. He killed Kate. He had a gun and he killed her. Did you know he didn't shoot her? The gun went off and the bullet hit the ground and then ricocheted and killed Kate. It, this was not... Based on the evidence presented, it was not an intentional shooting of her. He didn't aim the gun at her. It ricocheted off the ground. That's not now in dispute, and I never actually even knew that fact. It was also a Sig Sauer, and it was a type of Sig Sauer. And listen, my wife and I, we, we know our guns now. And all you have to do is get online and Google Sig Sauer accidental shooting and you will see that the six hour in question that this guy used um, had problems with it. And in addition, if this gun is dropped, it can accidentally discharge. And the defense attorneys basically centered their case around that, that this was a six hour that accidentally has a history of accidental discharges. This was a guy, he picked up the gun, he may have shook it, he did something um, he, maybe he did pull the trigger, maybe not. It has a very light trigger pull. Uh, in fact, it's the lightest trigger pull of any handgun out there, and it discharged. It went into the ground, and the bullet ricocheted, and he got scared and threw the gun away. That, that was the case, and the jury bought it. The jury charged him with uh, illegal possession of a firearm, which gets him sent to jail. They did not charge him with murder because there is no evidence that he willfully intended to kill Kate Sano. Yes, he had a criminal record, but he did not have a violent criminal record. He had never hurt anyone in the past. It is true, though, and this is a fact that cannot be dodged, that this individual should not have been in the country. Had San Francisco bothered to enforce American law, Kate would be alive. And whether it was accidental or willful or homicide, whether it was murder, whether it was manslaughter, you cannot get around the fact that the man should not have been here. And so I don't think we should avoid dealing with the ramifications of enforcement of illegal immigration, even though he was found not guilty. But what I do think is we should reflect on all of the accusations and charges and campaigning against this case and realize a lot of the facts that you and I were told initially were not actually real facts, and we fell for it this time. Yes, Democrats have fallen for it before, hands up, don't shoot Michael Brown, all that stuff, Trayvon Martin, all the facts there. But it's our turn on our side. Uh, there was no intentional shooting. There was no aiming the gun at her hoping to kill her. There was an accidental discharge. And you can see the video. You can see the video of his interview with the police. He's thoroughly confused about what happened. This is this is not someone who willfully, intentionally wanted to kill someone. This is a guy who has no idea what the heck is going on. He's confused. He doesn't understand. 
He's scared. This, this was not a willful murder, and the jury system worked. Don't blame the jury here. The prosecutor overplayed their hand here. The, the prosecutor, remember, this is the case that the, the sheriff in San Francisco lost his job because of this case. The sheriff in San Francisco, defiant about keeping illegal immigrants, uh, defiant about um, being a sanctuary city, lost his job over this case. The jury did do its job, and they could only do so much. They found him guilty of something they could find him guilty for. But they ruled that the discharge was an accident, and the evidence seems to point to the fact it probably was an accident, an accidental discharge. He did not mean for this gun to discharge. There was no willfulness on his part to launch a bullet from the gun. And to some degree, you and I may have to deprogram ourselves on this because everything we've heard going back over a year has been that he pointed the gun, shot it, and killed her. And the facts... The basic facts, the facts not in dispute by the prosecutor or the defense, or it was a ricochet off the ground. And that's something we got to reconsider. How much are we being told? Last thing before I get out of here, I don't want to go too long with this, uh, just enough for your commute. But, you know, for the last year, Vox Media, Vox.com, they've been lecturing Republicans on self-control. That the pinch rule is unnecessary because men should be able to control themselves. Men, and you know, to the extent I misrepresented the pinch rule, and, and I think to a degree I have, I should apologize for that, because the pinch rule was never about uh, preventing Mike Pence from sexually harassing women. The pinch rule was about uh, not putting either him or a woman in an awkward rumor mill that is inappropriate, um, putting himself in a position where someone can claim he did something inappropriate, putting a woman in a position where she can be the subject of rumors. Uh, listen, in Washington, D.C., it is a whorish culture where people sleep with people, where people, um, they're, they're sleeping to get ahead in Washington, D.C. They're having sex with each other to get ahead for mutual benefit. And the rumor mill is outrageous of who's sleeping with whom. It's hard to keep up sometimes. And the pinch rule keeps him out of the rumor mill. He keeps the women involved in the rumor mill. It doesn't disadvantage the women in the office, and, and that's something that the left screams about, but there is no evidence. In fact, I know many prominent women who worked in very high-profile positions for Mike Pence. Some still do, and they've never been disadvantaged by the Pence rule, but it keeps them out of the rumor mill. It keeps all of their reputations intact. But there is an argument that to the extent it exists, it also would prevent the Harvey Weinstein behavior. And I have doubled down on that probably more than I should uh, to liberals attacking that point. But that's not the origin of the rule. It just would help. But the left, particularly the kids at Fox, have been saying this is all about self-control. You know, for example, uh, I, I yesterday and day before in my monologue talking about the, the, the prostitute culture we have where four-year-olds dress up like tramps for, for Halloween. You got slutty Mrs. Santa Claus costumes out now for Christmas. And there's no modesty. There, there's no, there's no um, thumbs up for modesty in this culture, no humility. You're ridiculed if you dress modestly. Well, women in this culture are taught to get ahead. they got to slut themselves up, hypersexualize themselves, and it is the culture itself. It is the liberal sexual revolution that is now doing all of these bad things. The Planned Parenthood culture we live in, where if it feels good, do it, and if you have an unfortunate outcome, go get an abortion. That's just the reality. And the Vox kids have been pushing back very hard on this. They've been lecturing all of us that men just need to exercise self-control. Men are so predatory. If only they wouldn't. And they've got a bunch of beta males on the payroll who have been writing mournfully about sexual harassment until they themselves have been fired for sexual harassment. 
Well, they're having their Christmas party, and they've had to ban alcohol. That's the punchline here, folks. There will be no alcohol in the punch at the Vox party because they don't want things getting out of control with all the sexual harassment and sexual assault claims. But these are the ones who've been telling us they can control themselves. Apparently, they can't. Maybe they need the Mike Pence rule. Maybe they need to not be drinking and smoking weed and and smelling like hippies. Maybe they need to exercise some modesty and some self-control and some humility. Maybe instead of being preachy about this stuff, they should practice it. It looks like they're going to have to now with no alcohol at the Christmas party. It is just rank hypocrisy for them to be lecturing the rest of us that that uh, conservatives. See, here's the thing. The real issue here is that conservatives, particularly Christian conservatives, have a real understanding of humanity. We are all sinners. We are all fallen. We are all depraved, but for God. And the left thinks that we can build utopia on earth when Christians realize there will never be utopia on earth. The left believes that humanity can always be improved, and Christians realize you can only improve humanity by embracing Jesus. And so the left lectures the right that you just don't understand. You can do these things, and the right lectures the left, or the Christians lecture the left and say, no, you can't. You can pretend to, but it's all a mirage. It's all smoke and mirrors. You only improve yourself through the sanctification process, accepting Jesus and recognizing you're a fallen sinner and you've got to do better. The... Christian conservative concept that so many of us believe in is an accurate depiction of humanity and the left lives in fantasy land. So the left can lecture all of us and say, oh, it's it's men are a bunch of depraved people and predators and we've got to improve and we can go through all this improvement process and 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 you people just need to exercise self-control. And the right says, wait a second, we're all sinners. We're all fallen. The first step is to recognize that we're all sinners. The first step is to recognize We are all fallen, we all fall short of the glory of God, and we are all depraved. And then once you do that, you ask yourself, what do we do to improve it? You're not going to build utopia on earth. This is one reason I'm a conservative, by the way, is because I want as few sinners in charge of me as possible. But if you turn to Jesus and you recognize you're a sinner, and you don't say that your sin is just a lifestyle choice, it is actually a sin, we are fallen, and we recognize it and we repent and we move forward and we try, we're still going to fall. There will always be depraved act. There will always be sinful acts because we are all sinners. But you've got to recognize that at first to move forward. You have to recognize the fallen nature of man in order to move forward. And the left doesn't want to do that. And so they lecture us all on, on behavior and how you've just got to be like a, a beta male from the left. And then they got to get rid of alcohol at their parties because guess what? It turns out their beta males are really just pretending. They're the ones out sexually harassing people, trying to get in bed with their coworkers by trying to be feminists. You should never trust a man. Trust Jesus, the only man you should trust. But they don't recognize that. that that's moralizing, you know. I, I promise you Christianity, authentic Christianity in this culture, not the cultural Christianity that, that, that so many people claim to believe in where they're uh, championing Roy Moore and until there's a jury of 12 who convicts him of these crimes, we have to believe him and we can't make up our own minds and we can't treat the accusers real. But actual real Christianity, people who go to church on a regular basis, they're the only ones who really have the answers to navigate this world. Put your faith in Jesus, not in other men. Recognize you'll never build the utopia. The purpose of 
civilizing institutions is to bring civilization through the checks and balances and controlling the impulses of man. Now, I've gone on too long. All right, so here's here's what you need to know going into this afternoon. Mike Flynn, he's pled guilty. He's going to offer testimony. The president told him to reach out to the Russians. That sounds really salacious until you learn that this was after the election when he was the president-elect telling Mike Flynn to reach out to the Russians. Number two, the Republicans are going to pass tax reform. It now looks like I'm being told Rubio Lee may be able to pass by lowering the corporate tax and they're going to finagle on the estate tax. That may get Republican votes. That would be a good thing. Rubio Lee would be a good thing. And the third thing is that, yes, the murderer who murdered Kate Steinle, he got off because they decided it was an accidental release of a bullet, an accidental release from a Sig Sauer. They did find him guilty, though, of possession of a gun by an illegal alien, so he will go to jail. The feds will deport him. However, there is a he could serve 10 years under federal law for illegal possession of a gun. And if the feds were smart and Jeff Sessions moves quickly, they will charge him with illegal possession of a gun, and they will put him away for at least a decade for that. Uh, so they can do that. But this it does appear that much of what we've heard in the past year was not true. Those are your stories for the day. I'm Eric Erickson. Remember, please go to iTunes, go to Google Play, and review the podcast if you would mind. Unless you pissed you off today, then don't do it. But if you're okay with it, go go review, please. Uh, it does help tremendously. And get your friends to subscribe to the podcast. The more people we get subscribing to the podcast, not individual shows, but the total podcast, helps tremendously. Thanks very much. I am Eric Erickson. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.